Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Monday, April 12, 2021. Today we are reading in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 50, the first paragraph, starting with Instead We Looked, unpacking that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Team Monday, Kathy S., Nancy P., Leon B., Pam R., Kim T., our newcomer greeter, Claire E., and host, Marie F. The reference number for yesterday, Sunday edition, April 11th, 2021, is 16,745. That's 16745. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, drink, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Pam R. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Pam. Hi, this is Pam R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven thought, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Pam. 
I will now ask for Kim T. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning. This is Kim T. in Northern Michigan. Um, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Kim. Okay, this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study. Uh, we are on page 50 in the first paragraph, and I'm going to ask Kathy S. to get us started. Go ahead, Kathy. Thanks, Amy. This is Kathy S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. Instead, we looked at the human defects of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. <clears throat> um, so 
yes, I can completely relate to this paragraph and uh and this describes me to a t um man, I can judge some people and uh and I totally relate to to the uh wholesale the one equals all generalization which creates stereotypes and and profiles and basically the state of the world we're in right now and and all that's doing is is creating more and more division as we see all these outside issues and um but if i stay there you know we miss the beauty of the forest and that is what this program has brought for me you know this is again another warning to lay down my prejudice to learn to be open-minded this is what spiritual living is is like and i'm grateful for the fact that you know we have things like the traditions you can start now as a newcomer you know we have tradition one which reminds us to focus on unity not the ways that we're all different and and then tradition 10 to keep the outside issues outside and these help us you know to stay focused on what we need to do and and what i have found from my own experience is not only um can i be intolerant and i get real judgmental about you know people and and their issues about church or politics or healthcare and etc but i can also be prejudiced about situations and really if i'm going to hang on to the past you know about being afraid you know to even speak um i'm going to miss an opportunity that god has for me so that's the beauty of the steps um particular for me in recovery now it's working the 10th steps and and i can take a look at these ugly trees these experiences that that make me fearful or these people that that cause a disturbance in me and when i work a 10th step what comes out is what they talk about here particularly in in this paragraph is i'm judging people for judging people you know so that's a dishonesty and i'm looking at you know self seeking i'm looking at where am i fearful and what i have found every single time is that those ugly trees bring about something so beautiful like a whole new spiritual experience um and and it makes it amazing so i'm grateful to not shy away from that and um that's kind of all i have to say and uh i can't wait to hear how others see it too so thanks for letting me share and with that i pass thank you so much kathy i appreciate you getting us started okay so although we appreciate uh so much to love to hear you share if you have shared um on either Thursday or Friday, we ask that you hold off to let others share their basically every third day. So if I could get your name, we'll get started. This is Katie G from Boston. Dara. Katie G. Anita L. I I got Anita. I missed the folks who were before Anita. Dara L. Uh, Dara. Okay. Who else? Um, M. Ann. Okay. Ann M. Yes. So I have Katie, Anita, Dara, Ann. Who did I miss? No one? Wow. 
Okay. Donna well, who S. else? Is there anyone else? Donna S. I'm sorry. Donna. Donna S. Sheila okay. R. Sheila. Sheila R. Okay. I can take a few more. All right. Great group. Katie G, Anita L, Dara L, and M. Donna S, Sheila R. Okay, Katie G, you're up. You have the floor. Please go ahead. Hey, Amy G, Katie G, recovered compulsive eater in Boston. <clears throat> you know, I have been taught, my big book teaches me fear is my, my biggest issue, right? And uh, for me, that looks like wholesale condemnation. For me, that looks like <clears throat> taking, using my judgment to judge you, as the previous speaker said. And, you know, I have to be careful in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous because I don't know if you guys know, but Vision for You is just an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. You know, and, and I've been in the rooms for 16 years, and I haven't always had positive experiences with people in Overeaters Anonymous. And so then I start blaming all of Overeaters Anonymous. Or I get confused and I say, I have a Vision for You sponsor, or this is a Vision for You program, and then a Vision for You fails me. Right, so that's not, we're all people in these rooms, and why am I talking about this? Because, because this Overeaters Anonymous meeting and Overeaters Anonymous cannot be a place that I bring my judgment to. This place has saved my life, and it saved other people's lives, frankly, because I use my personality to condemn others. You know, and when I'm in my worst fear, that's when I'm condemning someone else, or sometimes you know, we get really excited about how this isn't a religious program, but my big, big book teaches me, be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. And over the years, I mean, I started out in OA in a very small group within OA, and I couldn't even talk to you if you had a different food plan from me to say nothing if you were the wrong body size, right? And so, <clears throat> you know, my, my spiritual teachers teach me that I leave Overeaters Anonymous one judgment at a time. And I leave my life one judgment at a time. Like I, I can't afford to be better than anybody else. And what my 10 step does for me, as somebody previously mentioned, I ask God to remove it. I discuss it with someone immediately, make amends quickly. Why? Because otherwise, I'm going to get into an obsession of the mind. And what is an obsession of the mind? It doesn't have to be about food. An obsession of the mind is a thought that blocks out all other thoughts. So when that other thought comes, Hey, Katie, you should really go exercise for two more hours. Hey, Katie, look at that sugar-free gum that I don't have access to God. So this isn't just about being a good person. For me, not judging and looking at my judgment every day is about not eating. I don't want to eat today. I don't want to hurt myself. I, don't, I can't afford gossip, and I certainly can't afford you know, hurting the one place that I call home. So I'm just really grateful to have these lessons that I get to learn and I get to keep showing up with all of you. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Katie. All right, Anita L., it's your turn. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. Oh, very, very grateful today. And um, I feel really filled with God's love this morning. Um, in particular, the past few minutes, um, and that's why I feel prompted to share because uh, 
you know, I was one of those doubters and I had to lay aside, like the paragraph before talked about, all my prejudices of the past, all the hurts that I felt throughout my life and open myself up to be willing to accept my higher power who lives within me and has been there all along and through all my recovery years and even the years that I was in the food, my higher power was there guiding me and helping me. And, you know, when I was in the food, I believe that, well, I, you know, I was thinking there are no failures, only slow successes. I'm one of those slow learners. I don't know. Uh, maybe because I started my my compulsive overeating, I believe I crossed over very early in elementary school. And so in the step book, it talks about how we are stunt, our emotional growth is stunted when my disease takes over. So it took me a long time to get to where I am today. I'm going to be 67 this year. And um, I am just so grateful. My heart is filled. I can see the beauty amongst the trees today. And last night I, I was thinking about the forest, the woods, and I drew a picture of where I feel at one with my higher power. And I envisioned my home at the top of the hill in a in a forest, in the woods overlooking my backyard was the ocean and this is where my freedom just soars and it's all because i've allowed my thinking to become open and bring in the beauty all the beauty that my higher power wants for me and that's all that my my god wants me to be filled with love and peace and you know True serenity is feeling peace amidst the storm. And I have just now come out um, the past, I don't know, 12 to 14 days, something like that, of pain and an anniversary of my daughter's death. And I was able to get through this whole time absolutely and to feel the beauty Okay, and and to experience the love that I feel for her. And it's all because I'm allowing my higher power in my soul. Thank you. And it's all due to this program, in particular this meeting, which has increased mm-hmm. my understanding and love of my disease. Take care. Thank you. Have a good day. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Dar L., you have the floor. Please go ahead. Great, thank you. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. And I love this paragraph. It made me think about how in my disease, I hated people in advance. Like I did, I hated everybody, including myself. Um, And in recovery, I love people in advance. 
You know, I, I love everybody, including myself. And I was thinking about the spiritual axiom that holds that, you know, if I'm disturbed about something, about anything, it's because there's something the matter with me, you know, and I have to clean out my insides. And I always had it so backward. I always thought, you know, if these people changed or those people changed or whatever, you know, then I would feel better. And today I know that that's just not true. You know, that's just not true. And I really believe that God is everything. I really do. And so I believe that God is in everybody else who's around me. And if I can't see that, it's not their fault or their responsibility. It's for me, you know, it's for me to do the work so that I can really fall in love with people the way God loved me. And I think about you know, when I was binging and purging and, you know, vomiting out $300 a day worth of food and all of that stuff, I honestly believe that God was standing behind me, holding back my hair as I was throwing up, just lavishing love on me. But I was so ashamed I couldn't turn around and see God. I just couldn't. And so I want to love people. If I can love people a fraction of the amount that God loved me, like then I'm a miracle of this program, you know, and I owe it to myself and my recovery to do that today. And, um, you know, I'm very blessed that in my career life, I, I get to talk to a lot of different people from a lot of different stratospheres of life, different genders, body types, ages, races, religions, and, and fall in love with them. And so I just really believe in the unity of people. And, um, you know, and if I'm not seeing that, it's, it's because there's something missing in my spiritual condition. And to me, you know, that's the great empowerment of this program. Like we focus a lot on the powerlessness and that is there. Like, oh my God, I know powerlessness in my bones. But there's a great empowerment when if something's wrong, you know, if I perceive that something's wrong with someone else, I can do something about that. I have a 10-step practice. I can find wholeness no matter what is happening around me. And that, you know, that for me is freedom. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much. Thank you so much, Daryl. Okay. And Em, it's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, Amy. It's Em here from Ireland, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And can we be heard? I can hear you. Lovely. Thank you very much, Amy, and thanks for your service. Yeah, again, a great paragraph. And uh, yeah, this paragraph just reads to me, you know, about the, the, the things that block me from my higher power. And it's my defects of character. Um, yeah, and it just shows me, you know, it's all about me keeping my side of the street clean. Because if I don't, you know, I'm going to get more and more blocked off from my higher power. And the more I blame and judge, and that word wholesale condemnation, you know, the wrongdoings of others and judging other people. You know, when I judge other people, I'm just seeing a defect in them that I don't like in myself. And, you know, to know that is one thing, but to, to put this, you know, into place and to do take action around it. And it is about self-infantry and taking my own infantry. And um, I love the you know the intolerance when we were intolerant of other people um, and and that part just shows me you know the double sides the Jacqueline Hyde life that I used to live you know I was totally and utterly I had one thing to say to people but I did and taught another part of you know of, of this of this disease was that I thought one thing but really was I think in the real true you know my truth and 
the truth is, you know, I do that part where the doc, the doctor, uh, the Mr. Hyde or Doctor, whatever it is, you know, it's it's that double life that I lived with the food, and it was just so inconsistent and, you know, no integrity whatsoever. Um, I love the part, you know, where we miss the reality, miss the reality and the beauty of the forest. And that's just all about my, my perception. You know, it's looking at things and just seeing the ugliness of some of the trees. And it's just the extremes, you know, once something doesn't go my way, I pull the whole structure down, like it says in the big book. And it's just about that part is really just echoing acceptance for me. Acceptance of myself, acceptance of other people, and accepting life on life's terms. And that's what that is about for me. You know, and we never get the spiritual side of life affair here. And yeah, just, you know, didn't see the significance, didn't, you know, knew it was a higher power or God, as I called God. But, you know, it wasn't the God in the relationship that I have today. And and really not... You know, not it's it's the part where it says in the big book, you know, God is everything or he is nothing. What is your choice to be? And thank God I know that today and I know what my choice is. And it is, you know, God is above all, you know, it's above everything. And it's the center piece of my life and the center place. And knowing that God is within, you know, it's all about that internal and that inside job. And thank God I have a program to unblock, connect and stay connected and to work this one day at a time. Thank you so much for your service, Amy. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Anne. Okay, Donna F., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, I'm Donna S., a compulsive overeater. Um, I shared so much great shares already this morning. Thank you for all that and all your service. Um, when I look at others, and when I'm judging, and which I which I ha- which I do, I still do, and I realize, and but I catch myself now, and um, when I when I do this, I try to stop and um, think about what I'm doing, and then I could be, and I, it, judging could be over little little things. It could be. Um, you know, my neighbor's dog's barking and I'm ju- and I'm being judgmental. Or it could be the way somebody speaks or the way somebody looks. But I know those are all um, my defects of character because maybe I don't like the way I look and I'm looking at somebody else. And um, I realized um, today that I'm, you know, somebody used to say to me, I'm not the rose between the thorns. So I, you know, I have to uh, realize that um, my higher power loves me and that I'm okay the way I am. And I learned also that I had to be, I'm humble today, that I'm equal, that I'm an equal to you. I'm not better than you and I'm not worse because sometimes I could feel better than you and sometimes I can be way down, down the ladder too. And um, also there's... um, you know, I do, I, like I said, I know that um, I was a compulsive overeater when I was in the high chair. I remember how my mother used to feed me. I, when I think about my past, I remember that. And that's what keeps me coming back to this meeting. And, um, the, and I see the beauty of it all in, through this meeting. I learned, I learned that I have to look at the, um, 
the uh, the good in others because that's how my higher power, how my God would want me to be. It's raining today. If I complain that I have to go out in the rain and I have to use my umbrella and I'm going to get wet and all this, but we need the rain. We all need the rain. So it's it's all about my way of looking at it and trying to put my higher power in the middle of um, what what I'm doing today. And, and that's with my food, too. I have to work these steps. I can do a 10th step if I have a problem or something's giving me um, some angst for the day. And that's the beauty of the program, that I have that 10th step to do. And um, that's all I have to share. Thank you. Thank you so much, Donna. Okay, Sheila R., do your turn. Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, my name is Sheila R. I'm a compulsive reader and recovering, recover, believe me, um, recover compulsive reader. I can say that now, and it's been hard to say that because I've been the other for so long. Um, so what I get from this passage or this in the book, um, a lot of things. My mind's going a million miles a, a minute. But I guess at the beginning, you know, you see the hypocrisy in others without seeing the fault in yourself. And I think you can see that on either side, if you're uh, agnostic or um, religious, because you're judge, judging. And I always think of judging as, um, why do I look at the speck of sawdust in my friend's eye or my sister's or brother's eye when I got, you know, a log or plank sticking out of my own eye? And it's so easy to do that, you know, to see faults in others because you don't want to see your own faults. That's too uncomfortable. And I think when we do that, we're, we're actually seeing our own faults. We're, we're seeing our defects. And um, it makes us uncomfortable to know that there's, uh, for me, I should say, that I have the defects. <laughs> and to come to and be recovered, I, I uncover those defects. And I've opened up and I'm not going to, you know, shy away or hide them anymore because that's what I used to do. Um, I put them away in a little box and I didn't want anybody to see them because I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I, it was my dirty little secret. So um, I look at the tree and tree to me is my, I love trees. I would, that's my spirit nature thing. <laughs> I could, I draw trees when I'm stressed. I love trees. I look at them. It just makes me calm. And I think of probably the most ugliest trees are the most beautiful to me, the ones that without the leaves. And um, because they have imperfections and knots and scars, and that's my life. You know, that's who what made me who I am today. Um, and that's just what made, you know, um, some of the most imperfect, you know, scars and bruises, you know, some of the most imperfect, I should say, I'm trying to say this right, some of the most imperfect imperfections um, with its scars and bruises, that makes me who I am today. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, I saw, like, I had a tree that died. And, you know, I didn't cut it down because I didn't have the resources to cut it down. But before I knew it, there was another tree growing at the base. And it was another tree coming out. 
and it, from this beautiful, you know, new tree from a dead tree. So, time. Thank you. And so that's just, you know, that's how I see my new life in this program is that I have this new tree coming out of this dead tree. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sheila. Okay, everyone, just a friendly reminder, we are on page 50, the first paragraph. And if, uh, although we really treasure your experience, strength, and hope, if you share it on Thursday or Friday, we ask that you hold off so others could share their experience, strength, and hope. So who would like to share? Darian K. Darian? Blanca BG. Blanca. Kim A. I'm sorry, who was that? Kim A. Oh, Jen. Sorry, Jen. Okay. No, Kim, K-I-M, like short for Kimberly. Kim, Kim. Yes. Okay. Kim A. Thank you. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Karen P. Sharon from Fort Worth. Wait, I'm still back one person. Sharon, Sharon P., and then who was the other person? Seneca. Actually, it was Karen P. Karen. Yes, thank Karen you. Karen P. Okay, so we've got Karen P., and then who was that, please? After Karen? Seneca P. Seneca. Seneca C., okay. Well, I'm so sorry, but what paragraph is this? On page 50? Uh, first paragraph. Thank you. Right top of the page. Sure. All right. We've got Darren K., Blanca, Kim, uh, uh, Karen, and Seneca. Go ahead, Karen. Darian, please go ahead. Hi, Darian. The floor. Can you hear me okay? I can. Oh, good. Okay. Um, Yes, I'm Darian Kay from the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Um, gratefully recovered today. Um, so good to hear all the shares. Um, you know, I was thinking of the, the ugly tree. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I'm driving and, I, and I'm passing very beautiful trees, although many of them still look, you know, wintery, no leaves and all that. You know, but if I look closer, um, they're full of buds, you know, ready to burst into green and or flowers um and also you know what there's a lot of holes and um little wedges in the trees and those are homes for animals and i you know i just thought of that too it's like that's beautiful in itself so you know i have to look i have to look at the um the beauty and unfortunately my brain doesn't do that so easily i have to really really work at that um you know, I see imperfections because I'm a perfectionist, and um, so it's very easy for me to judge. And I don't do it, you know, overtly. Um, you know, I do it kind of covertly and just in my mind. Um, you know, when I grew up with somebody that, you know, my mom was, um, you know, beautiful, lovely, wonderful person, but she would always say, um, first impressions, you know, are are the most important and you know, you put your makeup on and you go out and you present yourself looking your best. <laughs> um, and that was, you know, and she was always well over 200 pounds and about five feet tall. And so that's what she can control, right? Her 
the way her face looked, I guess, with makeup, and, and I learned from the best. So, um, you know, I, I'm so grateful, so grateful that I have this program in my life to be so much more um, full of love for mankind um, and not judge um, and, and, and know that when I do, you know, that when I'm that fingers pointing out, four of them are pointing back at me or three or however you'd want to say it. And just knowing that, um, you know, I need to look at something about myself, um, that I'm feeling bad about myself. And so I have to, I have to notch, notch up, notch up myself, notch down others. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just not, it's, it's an ugly kind of way to be. So I'm just so grateful that I get to look at all this, um, to grow. You know, I always, I always, um, think that I have more growth um, in this program, and that's why I stick around um, for all these years and learn from all of you. And so I'm uh, so grateful to hear everyone and to know that you're all out there helping me a day at a time to become a better person. So thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Darian. Blanca, your turn. Mm, thank you. Uh, this is Blanca BG in Orlando, Florida. Wow, I'll try to be brief because as are most of the paragraphs in the big book, there's so there's so much in, in a little bit of lines. <laughs> but what this paragraph um, screams to me is acceptance. Acceptance is the root of my addiction. I believe that beyond all shadow of a doubt. There's no doubt that my addiction sprang forth from my refusing to accept the reality of my life. That's why I started to eat. And it goes back, you know, I could trace it back, way back to the beginning, you know, of, of uh, acceptance of people, places, and things. Okay, with people, uh, so many disappointments and heartaches and people falling short of what I thought they should be. Yeah, there's the key of what I thought they should be. And therefore that set me up for disappointment, constant disappointment, constantly being let down. I wasn't being let down or disappointed. People were being who they were, but I was not able to accept that. Um, things, all kinds of things that I was not able to, to accept the, uh, Things like my own dysfunction, my own inability to be what I felt I should be. So I was constantly letting myself down. So if I'm not able, looking back now, I see that if in my not being able to accept myself, not being able to forgive myself, how could I possibly accept or forgive anything or anyone or any circumstances in my life? So not because my not being able to accept the reality of myself, my life, or the people in it. I kept fighting, coming up against a brick wall. And those, uh, those walls damaged me. Those walls caused me, a, caused me a lot of pain. So what this program, through the grace of this program, I started, they started me out by saying, wow, Blanca, you got a lot of work to do. You got to peel back those layers of that onion. You, we are going to learn to start. We're going to start with acceptance. And that was fine with me because somehow in all my addiction and all my dysfunction, I knew there was a healthy part of me 
I knew that if I could just learn how to accept life on life's terms, I would be okay and I was going to get better. I knew that deep down inside. But I had to begin. I had to start the journey. And I, it's still a challenge. Every day of every moment of my life, I have to accept something or someone or some circumstance that I don't want to deal with. And so I eat. But as the program has taught me, one day at a time, one day at a time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Blanca. Okay, Karen. Karen A., you're up. No, it's Kim. Oh, Kim, sorry. I know I did just right in front of me. I wrote Kim, and I said Karen anyways. Oh, well. Please go ahead. That's right. It's a lot to juggle. (laughs) This is Kim A. um, calling from New York City. And, you know, this entire chapter really pegs that whole idea of our delusional thinking. You know, we hear about in the doctor's opinion that we can't tell the difference between the truth and the false. And I avoided this chapter, or not avoided it, I just like skipped this chapter for years and years and years when I was freelancing instead of having a sponsor because I'm like, okay, well, I'm not agnostic, so this chapter is not useful to me. But when I found a a sponsor to walk me through the steps as they're written and really interpret this book, I understood that this chapter is not about being agnostic. It's not even really about a higher power. You know, of course, they're, you know, systematically kind of erasing all of our objections to have, you know, why we are not able to find a higher power. But the way that they're doing that is really by going after our thinking. And our thinking is the problem. The problem isn't food. And that's why, for me, managing my food with a food plan and weighing and measuring and having, you know, red light, green light foods, that never worked for me because food was never the problem. The problem's my thinking. The problem is my thinking with food because my mind always leads me back to that first bite and my problem is my thinking with life. It's my attitude and it's my outlook and I have objections to everything and everybody because I think I know better. That's just the way that I'm wired. And this is explaining to us that our ego really needs to be shut down. We're not the alpha and the omega. We don't need to understand everything. This is not a program of figuring things out. This is a program of action and of, you know, the hope that we get when we call into meetings and we hear all of these recovered sponsors and all of these people that followed the directions and it worked for them. And, you know, it kind of, you know, ties into step two, being willing to believe that there's a power greater than ourselves. And I used to, I used to ponder that and spend so much time trying to figure out whether I was agnostic or not. Like, who is my higher power? What can my higher power do for me? How do I find my higher power? And that's not what they're asking us to do. We just have to be willing to believe. We don't even have to believe that there's a higher power. We just have to be willing to believe. And I finally realized that, you know, all I have to know is that I'm not the biggest power in the universe, and I know that already. I know that I'm not in charge of the weather. I know that I have nothing to do with nature. I don't control anything or anybody, really. But even before I came to understand that, I could see that there was a power greater than me. Okay, boom, on to step three. That's all I need to know. So, you know, when we read this chapter, if we look at it, 
you know, kind of through the lens of, well, how is our thinking delusional as, thanks, I'll wrap up. Um, How is our thinking delusional? Maybe I could just be open to the idea that my thinking is not always right. It kind of takes on a whole new perspective. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kim. Okay. Is there a Karen P that would like to share? Karen? Good morning. Good morning. This is Karen P from Washington. And um, I'm really grateful for a vision for you and all the shares and service. And I just, I'm new to vision. I just finished with my sponsor reading through We Agnostics. Um, Welcome. And thank you. This, um, this is teaching me about my fear, which has already been mentioned. Um, and, you know, I, I learned to pick things apart on the outside and to be critical of others. And that gave me a false sense of power. And I think I, I, you know, I used it to my advantage. I would, I would actually put people up on pedestals as, as well. Not, not only did I tear people down, but or organizations, you know, and, and I was doing this all in my head. And then I was acting a different way on the outside. And that created a lot of conflict for me. Um, but it, but it distracted me from my fear. And so now with um, the spiritual, living a spiritual life, I must admit that I'm afraid. And I have actually, right now I'm at a place in my sobriety where I have three, um, you know, I, I view it as that my higher power is offering me three opportunities to kind of move up, you know, to have faith and trust that my life can be better. And there are three wonderful opportunities. And I, I'm, it's asking me to let go of, of judgment and uh, preconceived ideas of how these circumstances or these opportunities are going to pan out. And, it, and I feel frightened. And um, the, so the spiritual side of life for me is is a lot of it is about trust trusting this power and you know I'm not it I'm not the power and the power is leading me forward and that means into the unknown and letting go of things you know thoughts as has been mentioned and so I wanted to speak up today just because um, I don't want to push this under the carpet. You know, these are three opportunities for me that um, God's saying, here, you can, you know, walk through these things if you want to grow. And um, one of them is I've been a professional horse person on a small scale for a while, and I have an opportunity to ride with another professional. Time. And I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. Seneca? Seneca C., please go ahead. Hey, this is Seneca C. from Fort Worth. Good morning, everybody. I will say the shares have been amazing, and um, I always look forward to reaching back out and, and talking to 
those that share that really, really touch my heart. So please feel free to reach out. If anything, I say resonates. Why would this text beg me, beg me? Everything in it is a mere suggestion, right? Take what you want and leave the rest. But right now it's begging me to lay aside my prejudice. Hmm. A practical part of that, a practical start would be to do the set-aside prayer. Hmm. Maybe. And then at the forefront of my daily coming, okay, so, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm just so excited to be on. Okay, so it's because it, my prejudice of what keeps me stuck, my own prejudice against me, against you, against the world, it's what keeps me stuck. It keeps me in the food. By the grace of God, with the help of this program and this healthy meeting, no more. Wow. I am so grateful to be on this side of thinking and knowing that if this text is begging me to do something, hmm, I better take a deeper look. My history is a performance-based Christian church. That is where I come from. I'm also a military veteran, so yes, I love God, but I cuss. I cuss a little, and therefore I'm a work in progress. Cussing is better than eating any day in my book. What are, what are prejudices I have? I couldn't measure up to what they were doing at church, so they're all hypocrites. But the reality is none of us, none of us measure up. Organized religion gives us something to aspire to, just to simply aspire to. Can I aspire to something today? Will I allow myself to aspire? If I want a chance at recovery today, you bet I can aspire. I want out of this food. I want out of this food today. And, and Lord, if I make it to tomorrow, I want food out of the food tomorrow. But these are the suggestions. Right, but right here, it's begging. Uh, what are my what are my prejudices that I that I, about people that don't believe what I believe? They're doomed and they're destined to fail. Well, that's me and the food. <laughs> and guess what? Today, in the face of food, I'm doomed to I'm doomed and I'm destined to fail because I cannot overcome my compulsion to overeat without this program. That's the same thing. So guess what? I'm in the same boat. Wow. I also see how the traditions are the undertow in bringing this together. The 12 steps are help me to, from committing suicide, but the, the 12 traditions help me from committing homicide. And that's what this is showing me today. I realize hurt people hurt people. Today, I have a way out. Out of the hurt, Hi. and I will wrap up. I heard that. Out of the blame, shame, hurt, and pain, it's an amazing gift from my higher power that I will accept today, that I can live happy, joyous, and free if I allow myself to feel that in that moment and lay aside my prejudices. Thank you for letting me share, Pat. Thank you so much, Tonica. Okay. We have time for about two, maybe three shares. Who would like to chime in? Page 50, first paragraph. Jeff. RVS. Matt, was that Matt? I'm sorry, who was the first person? RVS. Yeah, hold, hold on a second. I, I can't, you're all talking at once. All I got was a Matt. That's all I got. So can we try again, please, one at a time? Matt JF. Matt, was it? Matt JF. Okay, I got that far. All right, who was the other person? The other guy? Maria S. Oh, Leah S. Sorry, I didn't mean Guy. Leah S. Okay, gotcha. Uh, let's go with that. R V S. 
All right, Arby, let's see if I can fit you in. Um, if we could go a little shy of three minutes for everyone, we could probably get in. All right, go ahead, Matt J.F., go ahead. Thank you so much, Amy, for your service, and thank you for everyone for this meeting. The shares have been amazing. And uh, I'm Matt J.F., recovered in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm walking through a cemetery, which I do a lot of mornings, and I've been thinking about what I wanted to say, what I felt moved to say, and about a minute and a half ago, I looked up and I saw the gravestone of a widely and wildly admired person who happens to be buried here. And, the, and what's on that gravestone is service to others is the rent we pay for our room in heaven. And that's it. That's exactly what I wanted to say. Because as I was looking at the paragraph, I was thinking, you know, I've always described myself as spiritual. I've always thought that I was a good person. I've always thought that I was providing real value in the world. And I made a really big deal about all those things because I didn't want you to look at me because I hated looking at myself. I couldn't stand it. And so I needed to hand wave a bunch of stuff so that you would look at that and not at me. So I made a big deal about those things, but here's, here's the problem. I was never being of service to others. I was always being of service to myself. The difference for me today is I understand the value of being of service to others. And it's, it's like, it's not altruism. I do it because that's how I recover. That's how I stay recovered. When I'm feeling lost, when I'm feeling worthless, when I'm feeling low, the best thing I can do it's just reach out to someone and ask them how I can help. And it's okay if I do that for completely selfish reasons, which is just, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And so if you're new, you're just starting the journey, you're just starting the steps, you're not at step 12 yet, please recognize that if you're anything like me, it's okay to be of service to someone just by saying, hello, how are you? How can I help? And if you're feeling like you need to go back to the food, if you're feeling like this is too hard, if you're feeling like you're tired, maybe give that a shot. What's the worst that can happen? They don't answer the phone? They don't respond to the text? Big deal. I know that every time I take a 10th step, I feel better. And often, I realize that I need to give a 10th. I feel bad for the people whose 10 steps I take. They always say, is there anything I can do for you? And I'm like, do you have a minute? So um, that's what I wanted to say. Thank you so much for your service, Amy. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Arby, I'm sorry we're not going to get to you today. Hopefully you could share on the second hour. Leah, I've got about one minute if you'd like to chime in. Hi, Amy. I think it was Maria F. you heard, was it? Oh, it was Leah. Leah F. Maybe Leah. Uh, was I wrong? All right. Well, Maria, you've got about one minute. If you want to go ahead. Thanks, Amy. Good morning to everybody. Sure. Um, sure. My name is Maria F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And yeah, great, great to be sharing this morning. Um, and this chapter talks to me about the ego. You know, the ego is certain itself. You know, that it wants to separate me. You know, that's what it wants to do. That's the nature of the ego. Um, you know, to separate me from you, you from me, and, and ultimately me from God. Uh, 
and and that's the daily work, isn't it? You know, to maintain the deflation of this ego. Because when I wake up every morning, it's trying to rebuild, um, and I have to just keep surrendering my will daily. You know, asking God for help every day, and and you know, as as Matt just shared, you know, the greatest way out of this ego is to help others. Because if I'm thinking about you, I can't be thinking about me. Um, and it gives us a promise in the book, you know, because it says when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically, but I have to do the work. You know, it's not enough to talk the talk. I have to walk the walk um, and take action um, and admitting it's my ego and, and to admit my weakness and the vulnerability of that, because ultimately it's about my fear of not being good enough, you know, and, and this ego that gets in the way of me and God. Um, yes, yeah, so I know I'm on time. So thanks a million, Amy. Thank you so much. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up here. I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. Please join us for another awesome second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing here. The share ID for today's meeting, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Vision for You OA meeting, April 12, 2021, is 16,748. We will now close the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Nancy P., could you please read the vision for you for us? Yes. Good morning, everybody. This is Nancy P., recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you'll surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.